The show you are about to listen to may contain themes of violence, occult activity, strong language, and other sensitive material. Viewer discretion is advised, as well as a trigger warning. We strive to tell stories in a truthful manner, but press, media, and other sources cannot be verified. Sources can be found in the show notes. guys and welcome to the second episode of brain soup my name is bria and i'm tegan and this is our little show week two week two how crazy how crazy and we're going we are going and we're excited to keep doing this um today's episode is going to be dealing with the murder of children so a little warning for you to click off if you would like to because this case is something else i should say that this is a murder case investigation type thing um, I found this through Sam and Colby, surprisingly. Really? Surprisingly? Well, well, with me, no. Um, there are many videos and documentaries on this case, even a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this case does have very many twists and turns, and it's very gruesome, so I advise you to be aware because um, there may be some graphic talk about what happened to these people. Just wait. <laughs> Just be warned. Just be warned because it is not good. <laughs> well, shall we get started? We shall. So this case is known as the Velisca Axe Murders. Um, this begins on Sunday, June 9th, 1912. This um, case involves the Moore family, which has Josiah Moore, which is the father, his wife, Sarah, and their four children, Herman, Catherine, Boyd, and Paul. The evening before the murders occurred, the family went to a children's day at their uh, local church. And um, the family was accompanied by some neighbor kids named uh, Lena and Ina Stillinger, who were neighbors of the family. Okay. So, the Stillinger children were asked to stay the night with the more children after the service due to an event that was going on in the town with the power not being on. I found that out through uh, Sam and Colby. Okay. So there were, how do I put this? There was like a fight going on between the state and the power company of some sort, and it was during the summertime. Okay, oh. Which is not the correct time to... No, but also this was 1912, too, true. so they probably didn't have, you know... They would have to suffer, unlike us in the summertime. Right. And stuff. So the kids didn't want to go walk home in the dark. So that is yeah. very oh, self-explanatory. Did they have streetlights in 1912? They did. Okay. That's I wouldn't want to walk home in the dark either. No, especially... I don't want to walk in the dark now, period. Right. Um, especially with this church service getting done at like 9.30 at night. Yeah. I would ask... To make sure that I could stay with somebody. I would too. Especially if they're neighbors. They, yeah. Everybody knew everybody in that town since it was in Willisca, Iowa. So it's mm-hmm. a smaller town. That's good. Everybody knew everybody. I think there was like 2,000 people in that town. Okay. So. The service was an end-of-year program for the church. And at this event, Sarah, who was the mom, was a co-director where the um, 
where children, along with the others, would recite speeches and such. Okay. And as well as, like, normal, like, church, like, end of year type things. Music, speeches. Yeah. Just a fun time, you know? Yeah. Um, They finished their evening at home, then went to bed. The next morning, Mary Peckham, a neighbor of the Moore family, noticed that the family was not outside doing their normal routine. Okay. Which... That is pretty self-explanatory in a small town. Yeah. You pay attention. You pay attention. If your neighbors aren't out and around, yeah. something's up. And what time was this? About 8 in the okay. morning. Okay. 7.30, so 8, I early. Say. Earlier in the morning. Yeah. And they were normally out and about doing their own, own yeah. normal chores and such. So um, Mary was concerned and got a hold of Joe's brother. Okay. Who, um, his name was Ross. Once he got the call, he came over around 8 a.m. to notice that the family was not answering the door for him either. Okay. So he looked at all the windows and doors to see if he could see anyone, but all the curtains were shut, which, why would you have your curtains drawn in the morning? You would want all the natural sunlight. So he used his key to, to then run back to instruct Mary to call the sheriff. The sheriff. So what he saw was absolutely shocking. Um, this is where it starts to get maybe a little graphic. Not too graphic yet, but getting close. While he was in the downstairs area, he came across two figures with a sheet in the back bedroom. He also saw blood on the bedstand. So there was two separate beds. One of the bodies was in one bed, one of the bodies was in the other. Okay, as it is in the 1912s. The Marshal Henry, or Hank, is what they call them, Horton had come by after receiving the call from Mary around 8.30 a.m. Hank went through the house and came to say somebody murdered in every bed. The murder weapon was found partially cleaned and was leaning against the south wall of the downstairs bedroom where Ina and Lena were found. Okay. All eight people in the house were brutally bludgeoned with an axe shortly after midnight. Whew. Whew. And that's not even no. the scene. I don't like the thought of axe murders. No. I don't like the thought of any murder, period. Mm -hmm. But I think, like, I don't know. I can just picture, like, the Lizzie Borden pictures when I picture Mm -hmm. axe stuff. And I, axe murders are probably, they're, like, I don't even know, the funnest to learn about, but, like, the queasiest. They make you feel the most queasy because that's somebody getting chopped up. Not only one, but eight eight people people getting chopped up. Six of them are kids. Yeah, babies. From ages, I think... 13 to 5. Oh, no. I think it was, I think Lena, Lena was the oldest, and I think she was 12 or 13. Okay. That is insane to me. It's horrible. It's awful. I get chills thinking about Mm -hmm. it. I don't like axe murders, period. Mm -hmm. Like I said, no murder is good, but axe murders are the most kind of the gruesomest. Mm Mm-hmm, by far. Yeah. Especially with... Um, the two younger neighbor girls who were in the bottom uh, bedroom, which is where the axe was found over by their bedroom. Okay, yeah. The parents and the four children were upstairs. So the parents were in one room and the four kids were in another. Okay, yeah. yeah. I've seen like a picture of kind of how the house, there's mm-hmm. um, a floor plan of how the house is set up. And it kind of has like a mark. I'll put it in the Instagram small plug 
Follow us on Instagram at Brain Soup Podcast. We and post pictures. Twitter. Yes, we post pictures of each case there when the podcast gets posted. Mm-hmm. So now to talk about the scene. This is where it starts to get graphic, so trigger warning. It was said that the killer of the family had touches to the scene, which is not uncommon amongst murder scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them was a slab of bacon wrapped in a towel that was leaning against the wall next to the axe on the bottom floor next to the cylinder girl's room. The other was that all the drawers of the house were open so that the killer could cover the mirrors around the house. So he took sheets and clothes and all that stuff to cover all the curtains, all the mirrors in the house. Okay. So it's also like, one, I could see you closing all the curtains and stuff so you're not caught, obviously, but in the middle of the night, yeah. why cover the mirrors as well? Is it like a guilt thing? I don't know. Because that's where a lot of the suspect thing comes into this too, but we'll get to that later. Okay. Also in the kitchen, a plate of uneaten food was found along with a bowl of bloody water. This killer, after he committed the murders, decided to make a plate of food. He said, let's get cozy, cozy, cozy in here and and have some brekkie reminisce on what he did yeah it's like huh? how chilling in the house with the people you just killed that's it's, horrible it's that's awful. icky and it gets worse cigarette butts were also found at the scene and it was said that the killer spent quite a lot of time in the house even after the killings obviously because yeah. he made food but um each of the eight victims were found in their beds covered in sheets with their skulls being bashed 20 to 30 times Mm -mm. after the initial killing. So he went twice. He killed them all and then went again to bash him again 20 to 30 times. So they're unrecognizable. Imagine if this was like, this goes back to the cigarette, but imagine if this was in our time, they would have had it Mm -hmm. there. But because this was so, you know, long ago, people didn't know. We didn't have the DNA testing that Mm -hmm. we do now. So that's why this kind of, you know, went. With the axe, even, they weren't even killed with the sharp end. The sharp end, no. They were killed with the blunt end of the axe. Yeah. Only one was struck. And I've seen both ways. I've seen it was... Um, either Sarah or Joe that okay. were um, hit with okay. the actual, like, sharp side, would you say, of the axe? Yeah, yeah. there's a sharp and then a blunt. Mm-hmm. So they're all hit with the blunt, I would assume, just to knock them out first, and then yeah. just go but, for it. I mean, it. anything swinging at you can, mm-hmm. not, especially if it's metal, can yep. knock you out cold. So and even today in the um, house... You can see the marks in the ceiling. Yeah, where the axe would strike the wall. Mm-mm. They they have not patched them. They are all still there. Yeah, the axe was found in the room where the cylinder girls were staying, and that indicate indicates that the girls were the last to be killed. Okay. Um. First was the parents, then the children. Last being the cylinder girls. Okay. Uh, this is where it starts to get graphic like really graphic and it this is a big trigger warning for I would say 
sexual tendencies, maybe? Would that be the way to put it? I think it would be, yeah. So it was said that the only one to have defensive wounds was Lena, and she was alleged to have it on her arm. Another thing was that when Lena was found, her nightgown had been pushed up and was left exposed. Seminal fluid was found at the scene, and that is where the slab of bacon comes to the scene. He used that to pleasure himself next to, the, next to a chair looking at the bed where Lena was killed. So he had her positioned and then began to pleasure himself with a lamp by the bed. That's... It's messed that's up. That's vile. It's disgusting. I... This girl was barely a teenager. Yes. Let alone a child. That's vile. It is disgusting. The doctors did say that Lena was not sexually abused, though. Okay. So, yeah. This is where the trigger ending is gone. Um, The axe that was used in the murder ended up being Joe's axe that was in the yard. Okay. Before the murders were committed. And after the crime was fully committed, another piece of evidence was found that it was his axe. Okay. It was found, I think, in the backyard. Yeah, that, that sounds The back, killer found right. it. Well, it would be... It would be in the backyard. It, the it. axe would be in the backyard. So, who did this? Who done it? Or was it more than one person? Who it Did somebody commit the murder and then somebody else go in? And, you know... Did some disgusting crap. Fool around. So, All right. the suspects are the state senator, who was Frank F. Jones... William Blackie Mansfield, Reverend George Kelly, or Henley Lee Moore. Okay. So, Frank F. Jones was a state senator, and Josiah worked for Jones for several years before he opened his implement company in 1908. Okay. So, they became business competitors, and they wouldn't even, if they were on the same road together, they would walk either way. They wouldn't even look at each other. So, they were bitter. Yes. They were very bitter. Very bitter. Because Jones was extremely upset that Joe had left his company. Yeah. And um, managed to take every John Deere franchise with him. John Deere? It was a farming town. It was a farm, yeah. Iowa. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sounds like Iowa. Sounds, Sounds like, Iowa. like Iowa. And it was also said that Joe had an affair with Jones's daughter in law. Oh. That's not good. No. <laughs> um, and. One of the te- detectives later on, Detective Wilkerson of the Burns Detective Agency openly accused Frank and his son, Albert, of hiring William Mansfield to kill Joe. Jones was never arrested and denied any connection to the murders. Okay, so people in the town are making their well, accusations, kind of? Yeah. Well, it's a small town. Yeah. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody was a suspect at some point. Absolutely. Especially when... After, I think, not even really much hours after the scene. Yeah. People were walking in and out of the house handling the axe. I, yes, evidence tampering. Yep, evidence I tampering. I read about that. And, yeah, it was a different time, but still, that's common mm-hmm. sense. I feel like even, like, I feel like it is common sense that you shouldn't be touching no. The things from a scene, like 
um, yeah, I read that people were lined up outside of, like, the house. house. Going in and out. Yeah. Trying to figure out who committed the murder. Yeah. God. Yep. Then comes William Black in Mansfield. Um, he was the prime suspect of the Burns Detective Agency. Okay. And um, Detective Wilkerson. And he was said that the murders were committed by Mansfield, but hired by Frank F. Jones. So he was basically Jones's hitman. Okay. So Jones wouldn't, if Jones were to have done it, he wouldn't have the blood on his hands. It would be, it would be, ma- it would be Black Mansfield Blackie. Um, Mansfield was also known as George Worthy and or Jack Turnbaugh. So okay. he had multiple aliases. Pers- yeah, mer- mer- oh my God, multiple aliases. And Wilkerson said that he was a cocaine fiend and serial killer. Huh. Coming from a detective. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Um, Wilkerson also believed that he was responsible for axe murders of his wife, infant child, father-in-law, and mother-in-law in Blue Island, Illinois, on July 5th, 1914, which was two years after the Velisca axe murders, as well as the axe murders committed in Paola, Kansas, four days before the Velisca axe murders, and the murders of Jenny Peterson and Jenny, Jen, yeah, Jenny Miller in Aurora, Colorado. There's a lot of axe murders going on around this time. Yeah. Kind Why of is that such a hot... Serial killer. Yeah. If they have yeah. their own thing. They do, and that was his, uh, his little trend. And this is my next note, is that each of these murders had the same M.O. Okay. So it kind of puts two and two together that this guy okay. could have actually potentially done it. Yeah. And what's the scene? The killer avoided leaving fingerprints of the seed, so he used gloves. Okay. So he was smart on what he was, he was doing. He knew what he was doing. And it was said that Mansfield had fingerprints on file at the federal military prison Ooh. at Levensworth by Wilkerson. So he, if this guy had a record, yeah, they would have had to print him. So they knew print, who they, he was. Yes. And he did have an alibi of payroll records in Illinois. So he was in Illinois at the time of the Bliska murders. Okay. So. He technically, by that, he really didn't do it. Yeah. But even then, there could be ways around that. Yeah. Okay. So Wilkinson is the sheriff. Yes. Okay. Well, okay. no. He's no? a detective. Detective. Yeah. Okay. That's, I was like, who is this man? <laughs> but, yeah. I, I think he was in Kansas. So he was trying to, I don't know what he was doing. I think he was just trying to weasel his way into a case. Yeah. But I really don't think that this guy did it. No. If he had payroll records in Illinois, Mm -hmm. unless somebody covered for him. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But. I don't. Yeah. Another tie to the case is that this killer was left-handed. Okay. But it was never said if this guy was left-handed or not. Okay. But he, you can easily just change hands. Yeah. But during an axe murdering thing, you would think you would use your dominant hand. Yeah, your dominant arm. To swing. Yeah. Because it's not, you're, I'm right-handed. My left arm is so weak that, mm-hmm. like, I can't do anything with it. I'm ambidextrous, but yeah. I am more dominant in my right hand for, like, sports and stuff, but yeah. I write and eat and stuff with my left. Okay. So my right arm is default stronger. Yeah. So 
I don't think you could be swinging an axe very. Because axes it, are heavy. Axes are. Okay. So, next suspect. Next one. The next two are like the main suspects okay. of the case. So, here we go with Reverend George Kelly. He was the prime suspect in this case. Okay. Kelly was invited to attend the Children's Day exercises at the church where the Moors and Stillingers were. The same dang day. The same day. That they were there at the church service. Okay. His presence in Villisca on the night of the murders and his subsequent departure in the early morning of June 10th made him a prime suspect in the case. Mm-hmm. So he left Villisca, I think, at like 5.30 in the morning. Yeah. Around there. And he got, I don't even know when they said that they got there, but he was there at the church. Okay. Um, he attended a Sunday school performance of the Stillinger Girls before leaving. Okay. Which, if he did do it, that would give him a connection to, to Lena. Girls. Yeah. Yeah. Which could be why he left them for last. Absolutely. Um... He had suffered a mental breakdown as an adolescent, and he was, I think, schizophrenic. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, At 5.19 a.m. the morning following the murders, the Reverend George Kelly left Villisca on board of the westbound number 5 train and allegedly told fellow travelers that there were eight dead souls back in Villisca, Iowa. Huh. Yeah. So he basically outed himself? Yeah. You would say? Yeah. He sounds... Like quite the loon. But otherwise, he gets worse. Yes. Two weeks after the murder, he continues to return to Villisca after leaving, posing as a detective. So he went to the house again with other investigators, mm-hmm. and no one knew he wasn't a detective. So he passed. Yeah, they didn't even question him. No, he, they, they were they just like, him. "There's They're this like, guy." He's like, "Okay, yeah." He can be there. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. On August 31st at 7 a.m., Kelly signed a confession to the murder, saying, God had whispered to him, suffer the children to come unto me. Huh. 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 This guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He's he's quite a player Mm -hmm. in this. Yes. He was all over the scene. All over. Yeah. The thing is that he went back. He did. To maybe relive what, what he, went, he did. What he did that night. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. He tried to recant his statement and the jury let him go for lack of evidence. So okay. he was um, captured. Yeah. But they let him go yeah. because of lack of evidence. But he has he all of the talking. signs. Yes, and he was talking major, major stuff all over the town about this. And he signed a confession, too. Which, I mean, confessions aren't, but he went on that train and confidently said that day Mm -hmm. that there were the eight souls, was it, in Villisca or whatever it was. So he went on that train confidently and was like, here's this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he was a notorious peeping Tom. Okay. So for work, 
he would try to get people to do work for him, but in return, he would try to get people to get naked for him. Yeah. Which is disgusting. It he is disgusting. He would look in people's windows. He would go in the bathroom trying to look at people. I'm like, ew, what is wrong? What is wrong with this dude? Yeah, he would put classified ads in newspapers hoping to find a young secretary who would work for him. So, and that's what he would do. Okay. He would try to get people to do stuff for him and try to get sexual favors in and, return. But people were like, no, which no. good on them because... Good on them. Disgusting. Yeah. Disgusting. He's a gross guy. He's. It sounds like a gross guy. And he had a bad rep all around, yeah. obviously. And he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia when he was in the mental hospital. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. He wrote the letter to authorities saying that he expected at any time to be arrested for the murders that happened to Velisca. Yeah. And he was left-handed. He was left-handed. Wow. So all signs point to Kelly, right? Yeah. See, I'm I'm definitely on the, the Kelly train with this. Because mm-hmm. he, there, this guy had issues. And the going, what gets me is going there and posing as a detective. Yep. Like. Which isn't uncommon among serial killers. No. They like to relive what they've done. done. They think it's a game. Mm-hmm. So. They think it's, they get joy out of it. They do. And it's gross. And pleasure. Yeah. Even more gross. Yeah. But there is one more prime suspect in this case. Another suspect. So, Henry Lee Moore. He was actually convicted of the murders of his mother and maternal grandmother in Columbia, Missouri, just months after the murders in Villisca. Okay. So, another um, axe murder, actually. So, the the Moore family was killed just as brutally as the um, people he killed in the previous uh, quote. So both of the groups of families were killed with an axe. Okay. So we got another... Another axe murder. But this guy is actually... From what I've learned from him, he is actually like a German... I don't know if he was a German immigrant, but he is German of some sort. Okay. And he travels everywhere. Okay. In 1900, um, Henry was living with a family in Franklin County, Iowa, and working as a farmhand. It is suspected that Henry may have fathered a child with the young daughter of the farmer. Henry was sentenced to the Kansas State Reformatory in Hutchinson, Kansas, on a forgery charge and was released April 11, 1911. The murders in Colorado Springs occurred in September of the same year. Testimony during Henry's trial indicated that he had lived with the mother and grandmother during the winter of 1911 and the summer of 1912. So he left to take a job on the railroad. Okay. Okay. So the summer of ni- this this whole case happened in the summer of 1912. The Velisca. That's when the Velisca. That's when. Yep. That uh, was in the- June. Yep, that was in June. So, so this was before. Yeah. Um, during the Velisca investigation, other axe murders also came to light. Just nine months before the crime in Velisca, H.C. Wayne, his wife and child, and Mrs. A.J. Birmingham, or Burnham, and her two children were bludgeoned with an axe in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Whoa. Uh-huh. 
Whoa. A month later, in October of 1912, a family was killed in Monmouth, Illinois. And just a week later, five members of a family in Ellsworth, Kansas, were murdered as they slept, just a week before the killing of the Moors and Salingers in Villisca. A man and his wife were killed in Paulo, Kansas. The similarities in the crimes were striking. Axe murders were just in the air. I guess so. <laughs> they were handing out axe murders left and right in this time. I mean, I guess it makes sense. Axes mm-hmm. were accessible. Yeah. That sounded so wrong to say. But it's but it's true. true. They were just there. I feel like, you know, axes in this time were a very common household item. Yeah. For these families, you know. Especially in a farming town. Yeah. You would need an axe to, yeah. to work and on I a mean, farm. Yeah, and I mean, this is Kansas, Illinois, mm-hmm. you know. I wouldn't, Colorado has popped up a few times. Yeah. But you see, everywhere. Yeah, and it's kind like, of surrounding Iowa. It is, it is. Because you got an Illinois, you got a Iowa, you got a Colorado, and you got a Kansas. You do. They were, it was just floating around in the air. And that was just what was named. There could have been more that weren't even notified. To yeah, definitely. So, this is where I get really like intrigued in the case is the paranormal aspect. Okay. But that's where I found it through Sam and Colby because yeah. they investigated the actual house itself. Yeah. With, um, I think, two of their friends. Seth Borden, who is actually a distant relative of Lizzie Borden. Oh, so highly suggest checking that video out. It's really, really cool. Um, Sam and Colby's video evidence did not conclude a set in stone killer. Okay. But the majority of the evidence led to Henry Lee Moore. Okay. Yeah. So in the actual video itself, it's the, they use a spirit box using the assist method, which is um, you would use a spirit box, connect headphones to it. And you would put it on as loud as you can so your um, your sensory um, indications, I would say, mm-hmm. are focused more towards what you're listening to because you can't focus on what's around you. And um, the group around them was asking them questions. I think Sam was the one that was doing the actual um, assist method at this point. And um, they asked the question. I don't remember exactly what it was. And Sam said... Reverend. Okay. So, it's just weird to me. Yeah. Because there was other things in this house, like, after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, was it Kelly that said that um, something influenced him to potentially God. do it? Yeah. Kelly said that uh, God had told him... Uh, I don't remember. God, uh, suffer the children to come unto me. So does he think that he was possessed by God at this point? Yeah. Be- well, he was a reverend, so yeah. he was Catholic. So he could have thought that. But where this gets really weird is in 2014, there was a paranormal investigator that went into the house alone. Okay. And he was in the Stillinger bedroom. Mm-hmm. He was tormenting a spirit, and he was trying to get information out of the spirit that he was talking to. Yeah. But something possessed him to stab himself. Oh, my God. Yep. So he stabbed himself in the chest. 
He survives. Okay. But he does not remember anything that really happened. Oh, wow. See, I'm very... I'm very skeptical on paranormal mm-hmm. stuff normally. I believe that there are some Something. type of spirits, yeah. but I would never go play with this stuff. I'm not like, um, what's his name from BuzzFeed Unsolved? I oh, can't remember. Why can't I remember Shane. his name? I'm not a Shane. Shane. I wouldn't go like bounce around no. on anything. No. Like, but I, you know... I just, that's not something I grew up believing in or really believe in. But it's interesting to learn about. Mm-hmm. It definitely is interesting to learn about. Yeah. He doesn't really remember. He just, something got him to stab himself. That's crazy. So is there an underlying demon in the house yeah. that is possessing people to do this stuff? Okay. You never know. Okay. Because why would you be getting, trying to get, like being aggressive towards the spirit? Yeah, and then the and spirit. Then it's like, hey, whoever stand is like, yourself. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Like, you wouldn't just think, hey, I'm going to stab myself now with a knife. Yeah. No. Oh. It's Absolutely so strange. Not. Mm-mm. Sam and Colby, during their video, they actually caught the killer retracing their steps by setting off different devices okay. that um, they oh. brought. So they have a REM pod. And yes. They would be moving the REM pod, and on the REM pod itself, they have different lights, and um, they would point them in the direction of what the, the traces of what he did. Yeah. And um, there was flashlights that, um, they're like the police flashlights that you'd actually have to turn on and off in order to okay. use them. But And they're really good for actually connecting with spirits, like a yes or no type thing. Yeah. Like, hey was your name so-and-so, and they would say yes or no. Okay. So for a yes, they would say turn it on. For a no, they would say turn it off. Okay. But after they were in the room, the f- flashlights were going back and forth. I think I remember seeing this, that video. I don't remember if I watched it or what, but I think I vivid, I'm not vividly. I have inklings of remembering it maybe we'll link it if you guys want to watch it um but yeah i watched bailey sarian's video on this that's the one i watched just to get a little bit of knowledge but she didn't really talk about the paranormal stuff Mm -mm. i was more into the paranormal stuff because of sam and colby and then um some of their friends have another paranormal channel yeah and i watched their video too and they use dowsing rods okay yeah the little guys that Mm -hmm. and somebody was sitting in the chair with the dowsing rods in his hand. Yeah. And um, he was asking questions, and I think one of the questions that he asked is, where did one of the murders take place? And it pointed to the bed. Okay. No shit. Okay. It directly, like, went. And he asked, um, what was it? Where are one of the axe marks on the wall? Mm Mm-hmm. And it It, went. It went. Okay. See, this is my skeptical brain, though. I know. Because dowsing rods, um, Spencer Henry, my favorite podcaster, mm-hmm. he did a video, I think it was on the Queen Mary. Probably, yeah. Uh, and they were using dowsing rods. And with every little move he made, he's kind of skeptical on this stuff, mm-hmm. too. Every little move he made, the dowsing rods would kind of shake. Right. So I was like, okay, dowsing rods. <laughs> it was crazy. That, that went straight yeah. in the direction, though. It wasn't yeah. like a little slight thing. It was like boom. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. 
You have to be incredibly still to use dowsing rods. And he was. Yeah. Okay. So where I have come to this conclusion is that I think that Henry Lee Moore did do it. Okay. But I think that after he left, I think that Reverend George Kelly was the one that did all the sexual pleasuring. Okay. So I think that Henry Lee Moore scoped out the house beforehand, knew that there was a family living in it, because that's kind of his M.O. Yeah. He went to the house, did the murders. They don't even know where he was hiding. I personally think that he was in the attic. Okay, yeah. I think he definitely would have, like, there was no signs of break-in or anything. No. Okay. But during that time... It was a lot safer that time. It was a lot safer. They would leave doors unlocked. They would leave doors open. They don't know how they... Yeah. I think it's in, but very possible that he could have been just chilling. In the house. In the and house. They, and they were next to train tracks. Okay. So it was kind of easy to, if he, if he would wait worker. for a train to go and walk around the house. Yeah. So Crazy. I think after Henry Lee Miller left is when Reverend Kelly, because he was scoping out the still underground, mm-hmm. I think that he saw him leave or... Something happened. Yeah. He was planning on going there anyway and did yeah. the gross stuff. Okay. I can see where you're coming from. I'm definitely leaning a little more towards Reverend Kelly. He seems... He seems weird. Mm-hmm. He is... He was weird. He... And the things he was saying, that just makes me lean towards him a little more. But if you think about it, if he saw the bodies, he could have easily said it. So he could have been covering for been. the guy. He could have been. You're right. They could have been in on it together. They could have been. Is there any, like, notes you heard of of them knowing each other in any way? I haven't seen anything. Okay. But if, even after Moore, or Miller left, or what? What's his name? Yeah, Moore. Yeah. Even after he left, there's still time in between. Murder said to happen about midnight. Okay. There's time in between. Yeah. I would say probably like 3 a.m., 4 a.m., mm-hmm. and the time that they were found. Definitely. But if he was said to have left about 5 the next morning. Yeah. He would... Yeah. Ooh. Like, there's so many different angles that you could take There from is a lot of angles. I definitely don't think it, it was the state senator. I don't think so either. Or Blackie. No. They... They just seem very far away. These last two That's were really sus. Mm-hmm. Big time sus. And everything. So. And even Reverend Kelly was said to have um, dropped off a bloody shirt. Oh. To get washed. Okay. So. So. <laughs> there's another thing that leans against Kelly, but. Yeah. Like I said, it can go either way. It Both really of them could have been on it. Both of them, what if neither of them did it? There could have been there another. There could have been. Here we go with these unsolved murders. It's still unsolved in the state. Yeah. And they honestly really can't do anything about it now. No, it's so old. It is 100 years old. It's 100 It's years over old. 100. It's like 110 years old. Mm-hmm. And it's still unsolved. Everybody's touched the murder weapon. I mean, everybody from the case is beyond dead. Too. Yeah. 
And people have all been into the house. Yeah. Doing the house is a tourist site. It is a tourist site. and For it's $10. $10. $10. You can go to the uh-huh. Velisca Axe Murder House. And believe it or not, they don't do advertising. It's all word of mouth. Okay. Yep. So, and they still get crap ton of business, if you think about they it. They do. I was like, shoot, where's, how far away is this from, from us? Mm-hmm. And if they don't get in, if they don't do their own advertising, they're still getting this much business. Yeah. That says how well known this case is. It is. I had seen Bailey's video on this beforehand, Mm -hmm. but I didn't remember it until you said, this is what I want to do this week. And then Mm -hmm. I rewatched everything on it. So. I would highly suggest you watch the uh, ghost videos on it. I think I've seen, I'm also a big Sam and Colby fan. I think I've seen it, but sometimes their videos blur together a little bit yeah, for me. Because there is a lot of them. There is a lot. So. I will, um. Everything will be linked yeah. for you guys to peek into if you want to. Um, we'll link the uh, website for the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and there will be pictures. There will be pictures um, on the website of the Velisca house. They have all of the suspects. I yeah. think there was even more suspects listed. But I these, think there was, but these, these are, are the main main, main guys. Um, the history of the house, what happened the day of. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll list the videos that I was talking about. Because mm-hmm. um, Sam and Colby didn't do the dowsing rounds. That was a completely different. Yeah, yeah. We, but they're friends. They are. Was it Corey? One of them's Elton. I know Okay. That. Oh, is it TFIL? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't think of the channel name to yeah. save my life. But I think that's what the channel name is. It's something like that. Yeah. But they, when they went to the house, they got um, a tour guide, which his name is Johnny, and he gave them the whole laydown of the house and said that 90% of the activity happens upstairs. Okay. And you can frequently hear people walking downstairs when there's nobody there oh boy the tour guide would um be doing some housekeeping and all that stuff at night and he would think that somebody broke in he thought a kid broke in one night it was just them he hanging out went to open the door where he thought it, the guy was yeah nobody was there It's creepy. It is creepy. Even though I'm a skeptic, I'm skeptic. I'm still such a jumpy person. I am too. <laughs> that, like, I can't even do research some nights without starting to hear things. Mm-hmm. So even like this, I'm like, well, now I'm not gonna be get drive home, and it's literally noon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. Well, yeah. Who do you think have like? Who do you think did it? I know. Tell us on Instagram. Tell us on Instagram. Tell us on Twitter. Yep. Like we plugged. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any axe murder stories? No. <laughs> do you have any cases you want us to cover? That too, yeah. Any topics at all? We're Let open. us know. Yeah. We are very open. We're open. We just want to talk. We do. <laughs> Our ramblings. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. And see you on the next one. See you next week. Thank <laughs> you.